Reading from the Gospel according to Luke. Now as they went on their way, he entered a certain village, where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to what he was saying. But Martha was distracted by so many tasks. So she came to him and asked, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things. There is need of only one thing. Mary has chosen the better part, which will not be taken away from her. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I'm not an either or kind of person. I don't think the world works that way. Yes, Jesus said, whoever is not against me is with me. But even then, we know that our discipleship is more like we're usually with him and sometimes against him. None of us gets it all right or all wrong. I'm not an either-or type of person, so when we have our regular Martha-Mary debate, I'm sympathetic to both women, to both sides. Mary and Martha have become archetypes for how people see themselves in one camp or another. I'm a Democrat. I'm a Republican. I'm a Tiger. I'm a Gamecock. I'm a Mary. I'm a Martha. I'm not an either-or type of person, and so I see merit in both of them. To me, they both seem right. Maybe it's because I'd like to be like both of them. I want to sit at Jesus' feet and, and learn from him and adore him, but I also want to work for him. I want to make sure that he and others are shown the hospitality that they deserve, and, and that can't happen if we're all just sitting at his feet. The Marthas of the world are real quick to point that out. We were at the beach recently with my family, and the Mary-Martha debate came up. I didn't bring it up. I wouldn't bring it up. I know the argument, and I know who is going to say what. There is no fury like a Martha scorned. I didn't tell my family that I was doing research for this sermon. But when the debate came up, I listened intently. And one of the Marthas in the room began her critique of Jesus' praise for Mary. As a Martha, she couldn't understand how anything would ever get done if the world was full of Mary's. Is it that Jesus wants a bunch of people sitting at his feet doing nothing? Really? Wouldn't everybody starve? Is that what he wants? No one would eat if the world was full of Mary's? Some of us wanted to say, Settle down, Martha. Of course, Jesus doesn't want everyone to starve. But you Marthas are so quick to help that we don't really have to worry about it because you'll always be the one who's 
there to help. Now we know that it's troubling to you that Jesus scolded you for working while Mary sat quietly and, and listened. Thankfully, the Marys in the room were quiet themselves. They heard Martha's sermon before. They knew that there is no winning the debate, even with the Bible on their side. And since Martha was in the kitchen with the frying pans, they didn't dare quote Jesus that Mary has chosen the better part. And it won't be taken from her. I asked you in an email on Friday to think about hosting Jesus in your home. What it would be like to have him at your house. How you'd balance your time between trying to serve him and trying to be with him. Giving him the most, the best hospitality that you could and making the most out of being with your Lord. You wouldn't neglect his needs. You'd be anxious to refill his glass to make sure he had what he needed. And then you wouldn't want to neglect the needs of others in Jesus' presence. So you'd be anxious to make sure they had what they needed. But what a waste of time if all you did while Jesus himself was in your house was running around taking care of things. I wondered with you how you might find the right balance. Mary had chosen the better part, Jesus said, and it's obvious that he meant that being with him was the better part, that experiencing him was the better part. But the Marthas of the world push us to wonder what would get accomplished if all we did was just sit at his feet, if none of us ever got up and did anything. And then there's this. What about after he's gone? What is the better part then? What should Mary do after Jesus leaves? He's taught her. She's adored him. He's left the building. Now what? I'm one of those people who didn't stop riding bicycles when I got car keys. I still ride and my children think that that is normal. They probably think that most men get up, put on strange clothes and a helmet, and go ride their bike for a couple hours. Throughout their lives, they've seen me ride and then come in from a ride and clean my bicycle. And heard me, they've heard me talk about riding. They've watched people ride bicycle on television with me. So it was a big day in our lives when each of them were able to ride their own bikes for the first time. It happened, as it happens for all of us, as a process. They had watched me ride. We talked about riding. We practiced riding. Finally, something clicked, and then there they went. On both of those magical days, when each of them rode without training wheels for the first time, I found I had mixed emotions. There was a joy of the accomplishment the excitement of having gotten to this next stage in their lives, the wonder of what it will be like one day to ride off together. But then as I was having those thoughts, they kept going further and further and further away. And it was one more reminder of how fleeting these days are and that one day they will be out of sight. And that I can't. 
and that I shouldn't stop that. And he recalled for me that they are taking in, that they are receiving and they are doing the things we teach them, both good and ill. It often happens now that I come home from work and I find one or both of the children riding the bikes, their bikes independent of me. I don't have to go out there now and say, wouldn't you like to? This is how you do it. They just do it. And there they are riding their bikes in the driveway. At other times, we'll go for a ride together and I realize that there's plenty more for them to learn about bike riding. Plenty more for me to show them and and share with them about it. Now, I suppose it would be to my benefit if all they knew how to do was clean my bicycle. If I came home from my ride and put them to work in cleaning my bicycle, I'd get something out of that, but that probably wouldn't be the best for them. And there's some benefit to sitting down and talking about bicycle riding. I, I um, perhaps more than they do, get great joy about talking about bicycle riding together. So there's something beneficial to that. That, I guess, would be like Mary. Cleaning the bikes would be like Martha. But I know, and you know, that, that cleaning bikes and hearing about bike rides is not all I want for them in cycling. The best part of cycling, as our children know, as you know, is the actual riding. I want them to take what I've taught them and put it into action. Hearing about how to ride is better than just cleaning a bike, but the best part clearly is riding. Since I'm not an either-or type of person, I want to make a plea to the Marys and the Marthas in the room today. I I want to unite you all today. Let's get past this animosity. I want to say to you, yes. Sitting at Jesus' feet is better than rushing around preparing things for him. But neither is the fullness of what he wants from us. Our lives are not reduced to either listening to him or serving him. Both have merits and neither is sufficient. What Jesus wants from us, the best for us, is taking what we've learned at his feet and then putting it into action with our lives, putting it into practice. It's listening and it's serving. The life of discipleship requires both. There are times when we must sit at his feet and listen and adore and learn his ways. And there are times to go and do what it is he has taught There are times to clean a bicycle, and there are times to talk about riding, but then the best is when we go out there and just ride. I can't imagine that Jesus would want to come home from work day after day and find us just sitting in the den waiting for him to assume his chair and tell us more about the life he's just had. Wouldn't he rather come home from work and find us doing something like what he had just taught us to do and then take a moment to celebrate that and maybe teach us a better way to do it and encourage us to do it and and maybe at the end go for a ride with us? Take us for a ride with him? 
A life of faith requires both. A life of faith requires both. Yes, it is good. It is essential that we spend time with Jesus, learning from Him, adoring Him, being with Him. We shouldn't always be so busy doing that we are never with Jesus. We can't follow His ways if we don't know Him well enough to know what His ways are. We can't be in a relationship with Jesus if we haven't taken time to spend time with Jesus. But at some point, He leaves the den. And just as we can't expect the Marthas of the world to know Him without ever having spent time with Him, we can't expect the Marys of the world to have gotten anything out of the time spent with Him if they don't go live the ways He wants them to live. What's the use in knowing how to ride a bike if we never actually ride it? To choose the best part is to find the balance between listening and doing. Praying and then acting on our prayers. If you've been devout in your prayer life and your scripture study, excellent. Now's the time to put that devotion into practice. If you've been running about from mission to mission without having any contact with a God in whose name you do this good work, well, good, but now it's time to reacquaint yourself, to sit with, to learn from, to know the God in whose name you do the work, to do good for Jesus is good. To be with Jesus is better. To do for Jesus as a response for having been with Jesus is best. Marys and Marthas, let's end the debate. It's time together. It's not an either or, it's a both. It's time, my sisters and my brothers to go for a ride.